It is said that the best-run organizations prioritize cybersecurity spending as a business decision first. Now, Gartner's hype cycle for data security 2023 reflects the increasing dominance of this approach. As key technologies needed for assessing and quantifying cloud risk mature, we see the continuing emergence of new technologies purpose-built to protect against emerging threats that inevitably arise alongside these new technologies. One such concept is data immutability one that has grown in prominence with the invention of blockchain technology in 2008. Uh, the concept has since gained traction outside of the confines of its origin, including in data protection and cybersecurity. So what is data immutability? How does it impact organizations under regulatory compliance? With us today on Podcasts for Future CISO is Martin Cregan, Vice President of Asia Pacific for Commonwealth, who will hopefully shed light on the topic. Martin, welcome to Podcasts for Future CISO. Thank you, Alan. I'm happy to be here. What do we mean exactly by data immutability? And again, in the confines of cybersecurity. Sure. Data immutability means the ability uh, of any data to be maintained in a non-fungible or non-replaceable state for a specific duration of time. Uh, What that really means is that organizations and enterprises need to save a version of their data that cannot be altered, deleted, or overwritten. And they need that in the uh, the examples or in the cases of where they might be under attack and they need to be able to recover. If I use the basis of your definition, aren't CD-ROMs or write once, read many, would that be considered data mutability in that sense? It can be depending on how it's being saved. Uh, the idea of data immutability is, is having a copy that cannot be overwritten and cannot be changed. Um, so I think the sense or the idea of data immutability is having a core copy of the data that is in its purest form or purest sense. And you can actually achieve data immutability uh, or attain that through various methods. For an example, uh, one model or architecture is where no updates, no security patches or configuration changes happen in place or on production systems. If any other changes are required, what organizations or enterprises might do is get a new version of the architecture built and deployed and bring that into production. So getting to data immutability is not an easy task, and it takes a lot of time, effort, money, and investment to make sure that it's happening in an effective manner. Why are organizations evolving towards data immutability? What's driving this uh, this aspiration? So organizations are driving towards this concept of of needing to be or having to be cyber resilient. And the reason why they're driving to that concept is because of the pervasive attacks in ransomware. So for an example, Alan, across the Asia Pacific, uh, and according to IDC, in 2022, more than 60% of APJ enterprises experienced some sort of a ransomware attack. And these ransomware attacks, as we know, they result in colossal legal, financial, and reputational consequences for organizations. So organizations have to protect their data against ransomware. So it's a big focus for organizations with an overriding theme of, if I'm getting taxed, I need to actually have the capability to recover. And if I if I have to have the capability to recover, then I need to make sure that my data that I'm recovering from the attack is immutable. So I have a, a copy that has not been tampered with, that there's no threats or malware in, and I can recover and become operational again. Uh, yesterday, at the Future CIO conference, one of the topics that we covered was AI in the context of cybersecurity. How can AI be used to detect and prevent ransomware attacks, given that it has risen quite a bit? and also enhance data mutability within an organization's data infrastructure. 
Yeah, so reducing the risk of ransomware is absolutely challenging, as we know, but embracing a zero loss strategy and basically adhering to zero trust principles is ultimately the way that organizations want to actually proceed to fight the fight and help them reduce their costs by basically centralizing a management platform and gaining end-to-end data visibility to protect their, their data and their workloads. Now, one of the ways to do this is, of course, using technology. And, and you know, sometimes uh, at Convo, we even like to say that we fight AI with AI. So it's really interesting. If you look at the ransomware attacks and the malware attacks, um, they are getting extremely more and more and more sophisticated. And how they're getting sophisticated is they're using AI. They're using generative AI to build scripts and to write code to actually get these ransomware attacks into your organization, or these malware attacks into your organization. What what organizations are also finding, though, is, as I mentioned, you can fight AI with AI. So now organizations are using AI and coding AI to have a look at basically taking a snapshot of time of here's my data assets and here's what the data assets look like today. And then using AI to see is there any changes or, or any updates or any code or any systems, etc., that basically has changed or that is different than what it was, any anomalies, etc., that is different than it was yesterday. And if it is, then it can send it to a source to be looked at in more detail. So using AI to actually go and have a look at your data assets to make sure that they haven't been tampered with, that uh, there's no anomalies in regards to a a snapshot in time or a day-to-day comparison, et cetera. And with the capability of machine learning and the capability of automation and the capability, of course, of AI, we can use that tool to actually fight against the bad guys who are trying to use AI to get ransomware into our organization. So it's, uh, it's a very interesting and compelling concept. For customers or enterprises that you engage with in this region, how are you finding reception towards the idea of data mutability as it and of course the role that AI plays in securing data? Yeah, number one is is that I think CISOs, CIOs, uh, CXOs are very interested in understanding what are the tools and practices and processes uh, available that they can use to counter um, the attacks that they're facing every day. If you think about most large enterprise organizations or government agencies, many of them have regulatory compliance requirements. You know, whether it's GDPR or HIPAA in the U.S. or uh, PCI compliance um, in many countries now, of course, have security breach legislation, um, etc. If a, a, a company gets breached, they have to notify. Uh, they have to notify within a certain period. If they don't have the, the, the right systems in place, they can be fined and so on. So on, on top of the compliance and regulatory environment, what organizations are finding is that they need the data immutability because many enterprises and organizations now are applying for cyber insurance. And so what's really interesting from a cyber insurance point of view, if you're an enterprise and you want to go work with an insurance company to get cyber insurance to make sure that you're protected from a financial point of view, if you will, if if you are under attack or a breach does happen, every one of them, 100% of the insurance companies that are on the market today are requiring that if you want to get a cyber insurance policy for me, you have to prove to me that you have a, an immutable data store for your data. It's really interesting. So when you're talking to the CISOs or when you're talking to the CIOs, it's the CDOs and so on, they're very, very interested in understanding what are the platforms, the technologies, and the processes available to make sure that we can secure our, our environment, secure our organization as best we can, but most importantly, to ensure that we do have an immutable copy of our data so that we can A, get insurance, but B, if we do get breached or attacked, we can, we can recover as quickly as possible. 
help me out here. If you can walk me through, what would be the steps that Commvault comes into a, an enterprise for the first time? Talks about data immutability. You discover that the organization doesn't have that, but is interested to go through the process, and they have infrastructure currently, and they have the standard data protection strategies, the three, two, one copies, and all that. What would it take for them to now introduce data immutability as part of the overall data management strategy, if you will? If they actually are adhering to you know the the frameworks and the principles that are out there today, um, whether it's NIST, uh, we have Essential Eight in Australia, New Zealand. You have zero trust frameworks and so on. If they're adhering to that, if they're adhering to the three two one principle that you just mentioned, that principle alone is, uh, from my point of view, very interesting. You know, making sure that you have three copies of your data on two different media types and one copy off site. If they're doing that, then they're well on their way to getting to a point of having an immutable data source. I think the extra steps that they have to take is then looking at their data, scanning their data, so doing a threat scan across their data, making sure that in both their production, their primary, their secondary, and their offsite copies are clean. And then at that point, you can actually start looking at you know your air-gapped capability of having a total immutable copy, air-gapped, offsite, not connected to anything, a data store that's there to always have your data in a recoverable form. What we are seeing though, Alan, is that most organizations aren't adhering to the, the basics when it comes to cybersecurity. And I'm sure you would have heard this at your cybersecurity conference just yesterday. I'll give you an example. Uh, I started with Commvault back in June and I spent my first 90 days trying to get out in front of as many customers and partners as I could just to have conversations with them about their strategies around data protection and cyber resiliency and, and so on. And I came across two very, very interesting concepts. The first one is that I would say, uh, and by the way, I've, I've met with uh, approximately 100 customers over a 90-day period. And I would say that through those conversations and through those meetings, two things stood out for me, as I mentioned. The first thing that stood out for me was that everybody I spoke to had a framework or a plan in place, like an incident response plan. They had a framework, they're adhering to NIST, et cetera. So I would say almost 100%. I, I don't really, I can't recall coming across one organization that didn't have a framework, a plan of some sort online. However, I would say probably a third of them didn't appropriately, properly, or effectively test their plan. So that is a, an extremely interesting concept for me. And the reason being is if you, you can have the best plan in the world, but as soon as something goes wrong, and you have to put your plan into action, what happens is chaos comes across the organization. Uh, everybody's, oh no, bad things have happened. We got to get back online and chaos consumes our organization. It, it reminds me, I, I gave you a, a reference earlier about the fact I used to be in the military. I was in the US military for 10 years. And when you're in the military, what you do is you, you come up with a plan, right? You do some reconnaissance, you come up with a plan, you go execute the plan. And then after you execute the plan, you come back and, and you do a debrief and did the plan work and it was the mission successful. Uh, etc. And then you go through that process again. But the key here is you execute the plan and you test the plan, etc. And what we're finding is that in, in enterprise organizations and in government agencies, they're not testing the plan. So you could have the best plan in the world, but if you don't test it, you'll never know, is it really going to work in the time of crisis? So what I'm finding is that uh, organizations or enterprises are saying, oh, we won't do a full test. We'll just test components and they'll tick a, a component or a box. But that doesn't help you in the uh, in the actual crisis itself. You have to test the plan. You have to know the plan is solid. And you have to know that we've tested the plan. It works. And now 
we're in a position to recover as quickly as possible. Um, I came across one organization. They told me a story. They said, you're not going to believe this, Martin. We actually agree with you. We said we need to test our plan. So they came up with this, this testing plan of they are going to turn the lights off in regards to their systems and, and their, their components as if they've been breached or compromised. They're going to turn all systems off. They're going to go dark, and then they are going to recover. So a lot of organizations will do this as disaster recovery or business continuity anyway. They turned off their systems. They went dark. And it wasn't until they turned off their systems and basically turned off the lights that they realized, hang on, we don't have the plan. The plan's a digital copy and it's online. They didn't even have the plan. They couldn't even get access to the plan. So they couldn't test the plan or they couldn't actually activate the plan because the plan was a digital copy that they didn't have access to anymore because they turned off the lights. So it was a very, very good exercise for them because straight away they realized, ah, okay, I also need a manual copy of that plan just in case something happens so we know what we're doing. So, so number one is most organizations have uh, a plan. But number two, please test the plan. You, you need to test the plan and make sure that you have all your T's crossed and your I's dotted in case of a crisis because chaos will consume you. The second thing that I realized is that most enterprise organizations, and we're talking about the, the larger end of town. So if you're talking banking, finance, insurance, and so on, Alan, most of those organizations have anywhere from 3,000 to 5,000 enterprise applications. And most of those organizations are running multiple different cybersecurity um, solutions, platforms, and products. And most of them are running uh, anywhere from four to six data protection, backup recovery, restore, et cetera, um, platforms as well. And what we found through these discussions is, number one, most organizations had a plan. Unfortunately, they didn't test it. But number two, what we found is that because there's so many different platforms and technologies in these organizations, they have to build a process around each one of the platforms to recover. So if enterprises are using four, five, six different platforms or technologies to protect their data and to protect their systems, they have to build a process around how you're going to bring them back online and how you're going to recover your data six times over or four times over. And that is a really, really interesting concept from my perspective. And the reason being is most enterprise organizations have a huge challenge in trying to do or trying to build one process, never mind trying to build four or five or six. So trying to do that multiple times, what they end up doing is, is they end up having different processes for different platforms. And what that means is nine out of 10 times, there's holes in those processes. And that's how the bad guys get in. So with this complexity of enterprise organizations and with this complexity of multiple different platforms, what enterprises are doing is actually opening up more windows and more attack vectors, et cetera, instead of closing them down and limiting them. So um, two very interesting concepts. Uh, so the real simple solution there is, is try to simplify and consolidate as much as possible, but it is a challenge in enterprise organizations. I can sympathize with some of them because throughout the years, we've been told that defense in depth is important. You need to apply all of these different solutions across the stack. And then as you say, it becomes really, really complex. And if you're trying to introduce further things like zero trust and all that, the, it probably confuses the business managers. And for the tech people, it complicates things, given that especially these days when you don't have enough security people trained in the latest and greatest technology. And a year ago, you, you're, we're introducing another concept and they have to figure out how to integrate this without disrupting the rest of the organization, particularly in the area of uh, our defense capability against cyber threats. Okay, fair enough.
we may have talked about this a little bit, but if you could, for non-IT people, non-CISO people, what would be the, the potential benefits of combining AI-driven threat detection with data immutability to mitigate against the impact of ransomware attacks on an organization? Because at the end of the day, the CISO and the CIO needs to sell the idea. And oftentimes, this is where things get bogged down because the folks in finance will say, well, we've already thrown in a lot of money in in the defense of our system. Here you come, you're trying to sell me another idea, another concept. And how do I piece this thing together or justify the additional spend? Yeah, so look, there's a a lot of benefits in combining AI-driven threat detection um, with data immutability. And once again, the reason being is data, as we know, is just uh, exploding. Um, We're we're seeing two, three, four times the amount of data in in days versus weeks than we are seeing in months before. So the the amount of data is exploding. So we need the tools to help us. So combining AI-driven threat detection with data immutability can help organizations meet regulatory requirements. It can help with basically building the integrity and security around your data. It can help with improved uh, trust and, 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 and reputation in regards to protecting your data and being able to recover. Using AI as that tool, as that platform can help with enhanced incident response. So we're responding to the threat or responding to an attack in a very fast way. Of course, it can help in keeping the data immutable. As, as I mentioned a, a little bit earlier, if you look at the use of AI and the data immutability or in a threat detection sense, it can do things like uh, and help and assist with an anomaly detection. It can do behavioral analysis, as I mentioned, what's changed today versus what was there yesterday. Of course, AI has machine learning models, so it learns faster than we learn, so it can pick up patterns and it can actually pick up pattern recognition and changes a heck of a lot faster than we can. It can do things like file integrity monitoring. Has somebody actually accessed a file that wasn't meant to or somebody who wasn't meant to trying to access that file, and it can help with real-time time monitoring and alerting. And of course, the you know the threat intelligence integration can happen with the AI tools and processes that help us rapidly identify that an attack's underway or that a breach has taken place. So once again, you, you heard me say it a little bit earlier, I think that the capability of combining AI-driven threat detection and data immutability are basically one and the same. They work really well together. And I really love the idea of fighting AI with AI. If you think about that concept in, in, in its itself, it is such a strange concept that that's what's happening right now. We're basically getting the machines to fight against the machines. So 2024 is just around the corner. How do you see AI and data immutability evolving in terms of the adoption as well as integration into current cyber practices? Given that cyber attacks, we expect them to continue to rise in both velocity and even ingenuity in the coming year. Yeah, I think that's the the key right there, Alan. It's they are going to rise in velocity and ingenuity, and what we need to do is try to keep up with that. Uh, and the way to do that is through uh, the use of of tools and processes, specifically tools like AI, machine learning, automation, robotics, etc., to try to keep up. We have to utilize the technology to keep up with the bad guys as they're out there writing code uh, and and using AI to generate malware. We have to use AI to identify that malware is there or that. It was a it was this is a, a code that was written um, using AI and so on. So I, I think we're going to see it increase. And as I just mentioned, you know, from a, a IT ops or sec ops 
you know, point of view within an enterprise organization, they don't have the physical resources. They don't have the human power, the manpower to keep up with that. So the only way that an organization or enterprise is going to be able to keep up with the threats that they're going to be battling in 2024 and beyond is by utilizing the very technology that is also being utilized to actually build those threats. So yes, AI is going to be critical in that machine learning in regards to what are the algorithms, what are the patterns that we're seeing, um, you know, monitoring, et cetera, is going to be absolutely critical. And we're going to need to do more of it. I guess the really scary part of this is uh, if you're looking at things from a SISO point of view or an enterprise organization's point of view, the amount of data, as we talked about, is exploding. But at the same time, the amount of threats is exponentially getting higher and higher. So we are going to have to embrace the technology and we are going to have to embrace, I call it the basics. Uh, we're going to have to make sure that we're doing the small things correct. We're going to have to make sure we have a plan. We're going to have to make sure that we have, we're adhering to you know the security frameworks that are available. We're going to have to make sure we're testing the plan. Uh, we're going to have to make sure that we have the allocated resources and the technology to fight the attacks that are going to increase uh, exponentially as we move into 2024. So uh, once again, utilizing the tech. I remember being at a conference, Alan, about a year ago and I was, I was on stage presenting, one of the questions that came from the audience was, hey, are we worried about you know technology? Are we worried about automation and robotics? Are they going to take our jobs? And it was really a human versus machine type of a question that they are asking me. And I, I smiled and I said, I understand that people may be nervous about the advancement of technology, robotics, automation, and so on, but we shouldn't be worried about are they going to take our jobs? If you think about the question we're entering now, we have data exploding, uh, cyber threats getting big we just need help. So from my point of view, it's really all about us and the machines fighting against the bad guys, not us versus the machines. So as long as people realize that, uh, that we can utilize and take advantage of the technology that's there, then I think we'll have a much better, uh, a much better means of, of basically protecting our data and protecting our enterprise. Martin, thank you for joining us on Podcast for Future CISO. Thank you, Alan. That was Martin Cregan, Vice President for Asia-Pacific at Commvault on the topic of data immutability for regulatory compliance. You are listening to Podcasts for Future CISO. As always, if you have a topic you'd like us to cover in this channel, simply email us at editors at society.com. We'd also like to invite you to sign up for a free weekly newsletter so you won't miss an episode of Podcasts for Future CISO. In the meantime, stay safe, have a great day, and see you on the next episode of Podcasts for Future CISO. Bye for now. Thank <music> you.